Well, good morning, everybody. Glad you are all here. We like to say, not just because it's our tagline, but it's because we really believe it, that we don't believe that it's by accident that you are here today. That there is a reason you found yourself here, whether someone forced you to come, whether it was by accident, whether you woke up this morning and you felt like God hooked you and just started reeling you in, or whether you came eagerly with expectation, it's not by accident. And uh, I just want to say welcome and glad that you're all here. My name is Peter, and I'm the lead pastor here at City Harvest and serve with an amazing team of pastors and um, an amazing team just of servants. And we want to highlight some of the servants real quick. Um, we have kids camp coming up. Now, the way we've done kids camp the last... I know we did it last year, I forget if we did it the year before this way, but basically is instead of doing one week, which is nice because you kind of, you get through it, um, the, but we kind of divide it up into three Wednesdays and two Sundays. Uh, one of the wins of this is if you're out of town for one of them, uh, you can still make another one. If you're sick, you can still make one. Um, we had one of our kids last year was sick, I think, for the, the first two Wednesdays, but was still able to go to the third one. So that's kind of one of the main reasons for it is so that everybody gets a little bit of a taste and, and gets to come. What I want to throw out there is if you have a kid, a grandkid, a neighbor, a friends of a friend's aunt's uncle's child, whatever it is, um, that is going into first through sixth grade, we would love for them to come. It's free. And for your convenience, this Sunday only, out in the lobby, you go out the doors, you hang an immediate right. Um, that is the hand that does not look like an L when you look at it. You make an immediate right, and right there will be a booth for you to sign up. Also, we still need more volunteers. Uh, could that be you? I think it just might. Um, here's the deal. Uh, you don't have to be someone that always works with kids. There's a lot of different roles. And really, at the end of the day, what kids want is someone that just acknowledges them. So you don't have to be the funniest person. You don't have to be the craziest person or the wildest person. You just need to be where you're willing to acknowledge another human being as a human being. And if you can do that, then... Man, you fit right in. So make sure you sign up um, after the service in the lobby there. Now, every Sunday we kind of look at Radical Connection, Five Roots of Connection. We see these as fine, five main ways. This isn't about salvation. This is about feeling connected as a family. And one of them is serving. And so what I want to do, we have two things going on. We got kids camp going on, and I want to pray over anyone that has already signed up for serving at kids camp, our youth, middle school, high school, are also going, leaving this coming Saturday to head down to Salem or just south of Salem to work with a camp called Camp Attitude, where they get buddied up with kids um, of different abilities and they get to work with them for a full week and they're going to be serving there. So if you are in the room and you have already you already know you're helping with kids camp or you're in the room and you're in middle school, high school, um, or you're one of the leaders and you're going to camp attitude. Will you guys stand real quick? Come on, stand. Okay. 
Will you reach your hand out? We're going to pray for him real quick. Father, we thank you for these that are going and these that are staying and going to be helping out with camp and all the others that aren't in the room right now that are doing either of these two camps. God, we just ask that you would strengthen them. Lord, that whatever they believe about themselves and their abilities, that you would stretch them, that you believe so much more than they do. And God, that um, you would open their eyes, open their minds up to new possibilities of how you could use them. Whether it is praying for the sick, whether it is sharing a prophetic word, whether it is giving encouragement, maybe for some it might be biting their tongue and not talking a little bit and just listening. Whatever it is, God, we ask that you would work through them and that the students that they work with would taste and see that you are good. That as they represent you as, as um, your ambassadors, that God, they would be leading people not to themselves, but to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you are in Celebration Kids and you are one years of age um, and you want to walk yourself to class, go right ahead. Or you all the way through eighth grade and you guys want to go to your services, feel free to do so. You want to stay in here, feel free to do so as well. Um, all right. As they head out, we are going to watch a quick video from the Bible Project that just kind of recaps a little bit about where we've been in the book of Acts and also where we're going today and where we'll be going next week. Let's play that video. During the first century, when the Romans ruled the known world, a grassroots countercultural movement was born in the eastern end of the empire. Yeah, it started among the Jewish people. Who for centuries now have been scattered around the known world. But no matter where they lived or what language they spoke, they kept their identity as the family of Abraham, devoted to the one true God. And every year, they would travel to Jerusalem for sacred festivals. And during one of these, the Feast of Pentecost, the visitors encountered a group of Jews who could somehow speak in everyone's native dialect. Yeah, they were telling stories about a man named Jesus who had been executed by the Romans. They claimed he had risen from the dead and was now exalted as the true king of Israel and the whole world. And this Jesus was now calling people to adopt his upside-down set of values and live under his rule called the kingdom of God. And thousands of Jews decided to stay in Jerusalem and join the movement. It grew in size and in influence and gained favor with people. But not with the Jerusalem temple leaders. They viewed this whole thing as a dangerous religious sect, and they even executed one of its leaders named Stephen. It's no longer safe in Jerusalem, and so most of the followers flee for the outlying land called Judea. And you might think that's the end of the story, but actually this tragedy became the way the movement spread outside Jerusalem. That's where the second part of the book of Acts begins. The scattered followers end up in surprising places, like Samaria, where their ancient enemies live. Yeah, and Luke shows us how all of these unexpected people start following Jesus, like a sorcerer from Samaria who has to learn that the way of Jesus isn't about gaining power, but giving it up to serve others. There's also a story about an Ethiopian delegate who, after discussing the scroll of the prophet Isaiah with Philip, decides to join the movement. Yeah, Jesus is expanding his movement out into Judea and Samaria, just like he said he would. Which is great. But back in Jerusalem, he meets Saul of Tarsus. He's part of the religious elite who oppose the new movement, and he's finding and arresting Jesus' followers anywhere he can. This is a cruel guy. But think about it from his perspective. 
In the past, Israel had turned away to other gods and to false prophets, leading to disaster. He believed he was protecting Israel and God's honor by getting rid of these people. And then Saul hears that the movement spread north to Damascus. So he sets out there to find and arrest more followers. And on the way, Saul has this sudden encounter with the risen Jesus himself. Jesus asks Saul why he's fighting against him. And then Jesus commissioned Saul to now represent him to Israel and to the nations. And Saul is stunned and speechless. And so he ends up in Damascus. But now he's announcing the good news about the Jesus he had just been attacking. And no one saw this coming. Totally. And the same goes for what happened next. Over in the port city of Caesarea, there was a Roman centurion named Cornelius. And he represents everything the Jewish people would hate about the Roman occupation. An angel appears to him and he tells him to call for a man named Peter. So Peter comes and he finds Cornelius and his friends and his family all gathered together in his home. Yeah, and this is scandalous. Jewish people don't enter a non-Jewish home to avoid ritual impurity. So what's Peter going to do? Well, right before this, Peter had a vision. God brought to him a collection of animals that his people were forbidden to eat. And then God said to Peter, eat these. And this is shocking to Peter. He says, I've never eaten anything impure. And God responds, don't call impure what I have made pure. And then that's it. The vision was over. So Peter's going to start a new diet? No, he's an Israelite. And he's honored these customary food laws his entire life. The vision was preparing him for this moment of him standing among impure non-Israelites. And he realizes that God is declaring these people are a part of the family of Abraham. And so Peter decides to stay and tell them about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit shows up just as he did at Pentecost. But now it's for a Roman centurion and his non-Jewish family. The movement is broken out. And so back in Jerusalem, Peter is now telling the other apostles about what happened, and they start getting reports about even more non-Jewish people following Jesus up in the big trade city north called Antioch. So they send a man there named Barnabas to check things out. Barnabas finds the Jesus movement alive and well in Antioch, and he finds it's made up of people from all over the world. And so Barnabas recruits Saul to come and work with him in Antioch for a year. They're teaching, living among the people there, watching the movement grow. The church in Antioch was the first international Jesus community. And it is where Jesus' followers were first called Christians, the Christ ones. And so the way of Jesus was transformed from a group of Messianic Jews in Jerusalem into the multi-ethnic Jesus movement spreading through the world. Their faith was the same. It was centered on the good news about the crucified Jesus who is the king of all nations. But that message and their new way of life was confusing, even threatening to the average Roman citizen living around them. And the resulting conflict is what we'll explore next as this movement goes global, or as Jesus said, to the ends of the earth. We are looking at the book of Acts. Uh, if you haven't been here for a couple weeks or it's your first time here, we're looking at the book of Acts to see um, how God worked with the early church. Because we're not just seeing it as, well, it's good for us to know our Bible, which it is. It's not just good for us to understand what took place, but it's because we believe it's what God actually wants to do in and through us as well. And that what he started to do in the early church is exactly what he wants to do with us. He wants his spirit to come and fill us so that as we go out, we go out with the power of Holy Spirit in us. And that we don't just look at our mistakes or our limitations as something that sidelines us, but we realize that in the midst of those things, God still calls us 
to be powerful women and men of God, as he did with Saul, turning him into Paul. And as we're going to see a little bit, how, what, how God used Peter in this same way. So we're going to be opening our Bibles. If you need a Bible, will you raise your hand and the ushers will pass one out to you? Um, we aren't going to be putting the, the verses up on the screen. We're actually going to be opening. So whether you have it on your phone, you got the old paper one, or you need one, we do not have free phones to be passing out um, for you to open uh, version there, but we do have a paper copy. So keep your hand up, and they will pass that out. Uh, you can go to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. And if you don't know where that is, no shame in just going right to the beginning. I have to do it all the time. Um, sometimes you just forget where a book is. I typically know where Matthew is in Genesis and Revelations. Other than those three, I can get a little bit confused sometimes. But many of us can be like the people that we never need directions because we're never lost. So we just continue to flick through the pages until we find it. But uh, So go to Acts chapter 10. And we're going to be reading through or looking all the way through um, the middle of chapter 11. Now, we got the same questions up here to consider as we go through this that we did last week. Um, that wasn't just because we accidentally used the same slide. It's on purpose. If you were here last week, I don't think there's anything wrong with you continuing to ask yourself these questions. Because these are questions that you and I most likely are going to wrestle with for the rest of our life here on earth. If you were not here, it's a great time to ask yourself these questions. Is God's grace and forgiveness too good for us? I would say most of us have something in our past, something we've done that we would say, yes, it's too good for that thing. And we struggle to forgive ourselves of it. What we struggle to do is to believe that his grace and his forgiveness will cover that. We have some other things that we're like, oh, sure. I'm sure Jesus, you know, we took communion today, his death, uh, it, it, it paid the penalty for these things. But then there's these other things over here, maybe just one or two, that are kind of in the shame box. We got those things locked away in a safe. And we struggle to believe, even though Jesus came and already undid the lock, already opened it up and is saying they're free to go. We hold on to them, believing that it's too good to be true. The other thing we can wrestle with is, is God's grace and forgiveness too good for those that have hurt us? I would say most of us, maybe not every person, but I would bet, since I am a betting man, that... Every person in here has somebody in your life or you have had where you struggle to believe that God's grace, his forgiveness can cover that person because of what they've done. It might be something they've done to you or it might be someone in, in history, historically, and the idea that on their deathbed after doing all these terrible things, and killing so many people or hurting so many people that on their deathbed, like the video we watched uh, last week of the man on the side cross who would just call out to Jesus right at the very last minute, never attended church, never read the Bible, never took communion, never went to a Bible study, never did anything of any of that. That Jesus would still say, I'm going to see you in eternity. 
And so we can wrestle with these two. But what we see in scripture is God saying, no, it is not too good for you. I pour it out to you. I give it to you freely. And, but in receiving it for yourself, you have to remember that just as freely as I'm giving it to you, and there's nothing that you have done that my love and my grace and my forgiveness doesn't cover. On the same, it is not too good for others. Yep, even that one. Yeah, that one. The one that you hope it wouldn't be. If you're like me, I won't have you raise your hands on this, but there are some people I wouldn't mind if they had a little judgment in their life, okay? But you know what? That's not the way God operates. They are his children just as much as we are his children. So as we kind of go through this is looking at this. Now we're going to look at two people here. We're going to look at a man named Cornelius who is a Roman And we're going to look at another man named Peter, who is a Jew. And he was one of the disciples. Now, he's an interesting disciple because of the fact that out of, there was a couple of them, that man, they were ready to fight at all times. While they were walking with Jesus, anytime there was adversity, anytime, especially the Romans were around, um, they were ready to, you know what, let's put the Bibles down. Let's put this, this VBS plan that we had down. Let's put our feeding program aside and let's do this. They were ready to scrap at a moment's notice. They were actually looking forward to that. They were hoping that Jesus would be the king of the scrappers, that he would go out there and just tear up the land. And Peter was one of the main ones like this, especially when it came to the Roman government. Here you have this Roman. So in Peter's life though, He's faced with some things where then right at the last minute after walking with Jesus for several years, telling Jesus, man, I am with you forever. I don't know if any of you have ever had somebody just kind of tell you, like, I'm going to be your best friend forever. Like, I am with you. I will never leave you or abandon you or forsake you. It could even have been a marriage or it could be a friend or whatever. And then they they ditch. Well, here's Peter. He says that to Jesus. As Jesus is being whisked away to go to trial, to be beaten, to be flogged, to be crucified, Peter denies him. Says three different times, nope, I don't know who that person is. Nope, I have no idea who this person is. And even in that, even after that denial, Jesus still says, I want to use you. So here's somebody who was given an opportunity to come in to the closest circle that Jesus had. He only had 12 of them. And he invites Peter in to get really close. And even within that 12, Peter was kind of part of a, a, we would look at it as like a, a tighter group. That he was brought in. Given all this access all this time. And yet he still denies him, betrays him abandons him. And Jesus, though, says, my grace and my forgiveness is not too good for you. I'm here to pour out my life for you as well. And I still want to call you in 
to be my, to continue being my disciple, to continue representing me to others. Just as he, he did with Paul that we looked at last week. Now, as we looked at with Paul last week, there was a man named Ananias where Paul's been called and God visits a man named Ananias and says, hey, I want you to go meet this man named Saul of Tarsus. And he's like, whoa, time out. I know who this dude is. He's a bad guy. He's looking for people like me to take me to jail so that I can be persecuted. There's no way. No, no, no. There's no way. In the same way, God is telling Peter, my grace and my forgiveness is not too good for you. But not only that, I've called you. It's not too good for others. I'm calling you to go share my love with the last person in the world that you think I would share it with. The person that you've wanted to fight, the person you've wanted to nuke, the person that you were hoping I came to destroy, guess what? That's exactly who I'm asking you to go. But not only that, I'm also asking you to go and talk to that person in a place that you think would defile you, in a place that you think you shouldn't be at. So let's look at this. Acts chapter 10, verse 1 through 3 here. It says, In Caesarea there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about 3 o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Now, what's happening here is he has a, a desire to know God, but he doesn't know Jesus, the story of Jesus. Also, you have here where the Jews would pray multiple times during the day, and one of the times was in the afternoon. Something for you and I to remember, what's a takeaway for us, is that God wants to speak to us. The question isn't whether he wants to share. The question is, do we set aside time to talk to him? And then in our talking, do we set aside time to listen? So here's this man. He set aside time to go to God. And then God comes to him. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. Kind of interesting back then, you know, you didn't really like have like a last name. So you have two men named Simon. And instead of, you know, being Simon Schrader or something like that, it's Simon, the tanner who lives near the seashore. And so like if you filled out a job application or, you know, you're registering your kids for kids camp, uh, it's a really long last name to have to type in there. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. Verse 9, the next day as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while, um, while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. 
he saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. Again, you see here, Peter was going to pray. He was going to a place. He had set aside a time to meet with God. In that time, being set aside, guess what God did? God met with him. I think, I know I can, and I believe most of us in this room could do a better job of setting aside time just to meet with God. Not just because we need him, not just because we're desperate for him, not just because we need a new job or we need healing or, or we're in, there's nothing wrong with seeking him on that, but where we set aside time just to have conversation with him, to dialogue with him. No, Lord Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. But the voice spoke again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. What could this vision mean? Just then the man sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Now here, we're going to see that these men have been sent by Cornelius, who, again, is a Roman soldier, to Peter. Peter's just had a vision. He went to pray, to talk to God. God came and gave him a vision. He's kind of wondering, what in the world does this mean? How many of you have ever had God share something with you? This is question and answer time. How many of you have ever had God share something with you, and it didn't quite make sense? How many of you have gone through something in your life, circumstances, and it doesn't make sense why you had to go through that? I believe many times, not all the time, many times, though, the answer is actually pretty close to in front of us. The question is whether we want to see it or not. Because sometimes the answer is painful. Sometimes the answer, the majority of the times, isn't what we want it to be isn't what we think it should look like. So Peter's asking, what does this vision, what does it mean? The answer is coming right to him. The answer has already been sent and is on its way. But Peter has to be ready and open to the idea that what God had given him could possibly come in a way that he wouldn't think it would come. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. So Peter went down and said, I'm the man you're looking for. Why have you come? They said, we were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. Now, just imagine... So God has given you this vision, and then you're perplexed by it. So then he answers you with the thing that, hey, there's some guys that are already here. I want you to go down and meet them, and they're going to tell you why they're here, and I want you to go with them. So you're kind of already, he's already kind of said you're in. This really wasn't a choice. It wasn't, 
hey, are you willing to go? It's this is what you're doing. If I was like Peter, I would start, my brain would start thinking of a whole bunch of cool places that I might be heading. I might be thinking of somebody really powerful that I get to talk in front of. I might be thinking, man, maybe they got like a big, massive gift for me. Like God knows I want to be blessed. And maybe that's what it is. Maybe there's a party in my honor. Maybe someone has a whole, they they found a whole bunch of money and they were praying, God, what should we do with this money? He gave them a vision of me. He gave me a vision to accept it, you know, whatever. My head would start going there. I wouldn't be like, I wonder if God's sending some men to kill me. I wonder if God is preparing to send me to the last person in the world I would want to talk to. So here he goes down, he talks to them, and then they begin to talk. And I can only imagine what my face would start doing as they said it. I would start with, hey, yeah, God gave me a vision. All three of you, you're right here in the front row. I am so glad you guys came today. What's going on? So tell me, what's up? Like, what's the big surprise? Is there a limo waiting outside? What do you got going on? And I'm there with excitement and anticipation. And they say, oh, we were sent by a Roman officer. Now, I've confessed to you guys before because I know none of you have ever seen it, but my face doesn't lie. And so when I have disappointment, I don't know what to do. I've tried many times to find new facial expressions to try to hide what I'm feeling. But these three would see right away my face go from anticipation to, God, you got to be blankety blank kidding me. There is no way. What are you talking about? So they said... We were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He is a devout and God-fearing man. I'd be thinking, yeah, whatever. So is everybody. What, just because he wears a fish t-shirt or has a cross? Um, You know, whatever. Well-respected by all the Jews, right. Probably Jews like Matthew. Jews that, you know, (laughs) don't really follow the Jewish, you know, already sold their soul to it. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he can hear your message. And right then I would turn to Jonah and I'd be like, oh, yeah, I got a message. And there's a lot of people I want to share that message to. But this is not one of those people. No way. No way. So Peter invited the men in to stay for the night. The next day he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. They arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, stand up. I'm a human being just like you. So they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled. This is a neat thing. Because many times, the person God wants us to talk to, there's a reason why we don't want to. We're either scared of, are we going to be rejected? We're scared of what other people might think about it. But you know that when you step out in obedience and actually talk to who God is asking you to talk to, it's not just for that person. It affects their family. 
It affects their neighborhood. It affects their job place. So as he went into Cornelius, Cornelius brings all these other people in. It wasn't just for the one. He wanted to impact a whole group. And he wanted Peter to be faithful in that way. Peter told them, you know, it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. That's a great way to start the introduction. Let me just start. I'm glad you all came together today and uh, that you gathered to hear my story and that you sent for me. I just want to start by saying, as you know, uh, this is completely wrong. And because my people think you are dirty and that you guys are beyond being saved. And, uh, but let's chat. <laughs> so he says, you know, it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you, not just enter into your home, just to talk to you is not okay. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. What's he saying? God has shown me that his grace and his forgiveness is not too good for anyone, no matter what I think about them or no matter what they've done to me, it is not too good. So I come without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you sent for me. Now here, Cornelius, verse 30 through 33, Cornelius now kind of replays what happened to him when he was praying and when the angel showed up and said, hey, I want you to go get Peter. So now down in 34, Peter replies, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. What a powerful verse right there. There is no favoritism. You know, sometimes... Maybe we can look at ourselves. Maybe we don't really struggle with the first question. And we're like, I know why I was called. I'm not going to have you raise your hand if that's you, because it wouldn't go well for you as you left. But maybe, you know, we can look at ourselves and think, ah, oh, I get why I'm called. I've walked a pretty good life. I'm impressive. I'm talented. I love God. I devote myself to God. He's saying there's no favoritism. I love all my children. And whenever, wherever they are, whenever they are in their, whatever place they are in their life, whether it's in the last second, and they call out to me, I rejoice. I am so ecstatic. I am so happy to have my child come home. It is never too late. I want all of you to come home. So I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism in every nation. He accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel. That there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea. It was in the news. Everybody was watching it. Everybody was talking about it. Beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth 
with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him to life on the third day. And I wonder there, have you ever been talking to someone or you're in a conversation or you're experiencing something and it reminds you of a past mistake that you made? Anybody ever have that happen? Man, there's, for me, in my role here at the church, I'll be talking with someone and I'm trying to give them, um, we don't say we, we counsel because none of us are actually professional counselors, or, but, but we coach and we just try to kind of more talk with you and let you know um, what, what we've seen in our life and, and what could maybe help you. But how many times I'm talking to someone and what I'm talking to them about is something I've struggled with myself. It might even be something that I'm in the midst of, of struggling with. I'm talking to someone and, you know, they, they just lashed out on their kids. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm about to give you some advice and I just lashed out on my kids. Or I'm talking to someone, a husband that hasn't been really loving his wife and I'm trying to, oh, you know, here's some great ideas that I absolutely do not live by and definitely was not living by this last week. Here's Peter, and he's having to tell the gospel, the good news. He's having to tell the story of Jesus. I can only imagine what was going through his head. He's all excited as he's remembering the dream. Like, or the, 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 he has pictures in his mind of, of Jesus coming and being anointed and going out and praying for people. And he, he just can see the, the slide projector. Does anybody here ever remember going through slide projectors? You remember the click, and sometimes they would get caught. Anyways, if you don't know what that is, look it up. It is actually quite fascinating, and I think they're coming back at some point. And they'll cost 10 times as much as they used to when you threw it away because you thought it was worthless. Anywho, he has all that going through his mind, but then all of a sudden he gets to the point where he starts talking about Jesus being captured and being judged. If that was me, all of a sudden guilt would fill me shame would fill me because what I would be imagining is not just the story of what I heard I'd be imagining the person asking me do you know him and I'm seeing Jesus going there as I'm telling that story and I'm all I can hear is my own voice say no I don't know him I have no idea who that guy is I don't want to associate with him do not tie me to that person but here I am having to be in a home and actually tell that story with conviction in the goodness of God and the good news. And yet I know that I'm one of the people that denied him in that very moment. Also here, he talks about those that have been with Jesus. You and I, if you call Jesus your Lord and Savior, you've been with Jesus. We can look at the disciples and say, well, they actually got to walk with him. They heard his voice. And so many times we don't want to talk to our coworkers, our classmates, our neighbors, our family members about God because we kind of feel like it's, it's distant. You know, I, I kind of know, I don't know how to evangelize. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not outgoing. I, I'm an introvert or whatever the excuse we come up with is. Jesus just wants us to tell the story of when we've sat with him. 
A lot of us in this room, we sat with him this morning as we worshiped. He, he said things to you. He came and he comforted you where you needed comfort. He came and he did something. You can tell your story. You can say, I've been with Jesus. I walked with Jesus. I've sat with Jesus and, and here's what he's shown me. You've witnessed those things. But God raised him to life here in verse 40 on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. That everyone. Answer to number two, everyone, everyone. Verse 44 through 48, again, we see that as they call out to Jesus, that the Holy Spirit comes and fills them. I've seen that over and over as we've been reading through Acts. That as the gospel is preached, people turn their heart to Jesus. That the desire is then for them to go, but they need to go with the power of what? We're going to do this together. With the power of what? Come on. Yes, we need the power of Holy Spirit. So he comes and he fills them. Okay, chapter 11, verse 1 through 3. Soon the news reached the apostles and other believers in Judea that the Gentiles had received the word of God. I can tell you that I don't believe this came with a lot of shouts of joy. This came with, can you, do you know, do you know what's going on? It is, this is scandalous. This is crazy. This isn't what we signed up for. But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers criticized him. Think of that. God finally, you know, he asks you to go talk to someone that you don't want to talk to, but you choose to be obedient. You go talk to him. You feel guilt as you're doing it because you're remembering all your past mistakes and how you betrayed Jesus yourself. But you finally do it. You're excited that they receive Jesus and the Holy Spirit fills them. But I'm sure there's a tad bit being human, if he's like me, of like, seriously, you wanted to give him everything? Like, how about just Jesus, but not the power of the Holy Spirit? Like, can we just give him like a less dose? Like, is there any way that I could still be superior to them and the power you've given me over them? But yet I go through all that. And then as I'm writing home, I start thinking about my friends. And I start thinking about, oh gosh, they're not going to like this. They're not going to be into this. It says, but when Peter arrived in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers criticized him. You entered the home of Gentiles and even ate with them, they said. Now, verse 4 through 14 of chapter 11, Peter then goes back and he's now replaying. Here's what was going on. I was praying. I had this dream and this is what God asked me to do. The men came. So then I went and he goes through it all. Last four verses we're going to read. Chapter 11, verse 15 through 18. So he tells them all this. And then he says, as I began to speak, Peter continued, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as he fell on us at the beginning. Then I thought of the Lord's words when he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
And since God gave these Gentiles the same gift he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to stand in God's way? What a powerful revelation that God's love is for everyone. And if he did that for me, who am I to stand in the way? When the others heard this, they stopped objecting and began praising God. They said, we can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. You know, our hope here at City Harvest, it's on the back there, we call it our vision, is that all of us, inside it just says who we are, outside it says people, because it's for everyone, not just for us, would live our identity and purpose in Christ. What's our identity? Is that just a trendy word right now? Yes, it is, and you're correct on that. Is that why it's up there? No, all you gotta do is look at me and you know there's nothing trendy about me. It is, it's about us knowing who God says we are. Because all our lives we have been told other things. But we need to be anchored in who he says we are. But then also to go out with the purpose that he's called us to. Not limiting ourselves, but also not limiting who God might want us to minister to. It's for everyone. We want everyone to taste and see that God is good. Yeah, even those people that you don't think, we want them to come in. It might be people coming in and they might sit, oh gosh, maybe not even just next to you, in front of you, or behind you. Heaven forbid they come in and they sit in your seat. What then, huh? He's there for them. And just as he has accepted you, he wants to accept them. And just as you've been on a journey, you didn't change overnight. It's taken you. You, you. You've tripped and you've fallen and you've gotten back up and said, Lord, help me. And then you trip and you fall. And, and he, it's a journey that we're on with him where he's changing us day by day into look more like him and to act more like him. And the same thing, that's what he wants to do for others. Lord, I just ask, I'm going to pray. Sorry, I should have said that. You're wondering, what, what's he doing? Is he just thinking deep? No, I'm going to pray to kind of close this time. I invite you to join me. Lord, I thank you for your grace and your forgiveness, your love, your compassion, your mercy. God, you have blessed every single one of us. I know that at different points in our life, it's easy to wonder where you are. It's easy to wonder, why did you allow this to happen? But God, you are good to us. Father, I ask that you would help each one of us to fully accept your forgiveness over our lives. That shame would be lifted. That the voice of the accuser would be silenced in the name of Jesus. That freedom would come. That where you have locked the chains that you have unlocked, God, that, that we would step away from them. That we would walk out of the prison cell and look back no longer. God, that we would not be like the Israelites that go into the desert and you're taking us to a promised land. You're taking us from bondage to freedom. And yet we look back and we say, I wish I was back in bondage. 
God, let us run towards you with all that we have, embracing all that you say we are, believing that we have been set free. And God, that your grace and your forgiveness covers us. But Lord, let us again continue to look out at people that we encounter, those that offend us, those that bother us, those that we disagree with, those that we think are actually the problem to our country right now, those that we think are maybe going to bring about your curses to our nation or to the world, those that are going around and hurting and abusing and killing others. Let us look also at them as ones that you want to save. That we would never hold back your message based off of the way we view someone else. We don't have to. You haven't asked us to agree with their lifestyle. You haven't asked us to to, um, uh, glorify what they do. But you have asked us to be your hands and feet and to represent you. We've all signed up to represent your judgment to them. God, let us begin to sign up to represent your love and your forgiveness and your grace. God, could we be a church that truly goes out of this building today with a new mindset and we go into this week being equipped and empowered to represent you, to have open eyes, to set aside time to pray and believe that you're actually going to speak to us. And then being willing to obey, even if what you're asking us to do is challenging to us. God, that we would be able to invite all in to taste and see how good you are. Just as each one of us have been invited in to taste and see how good you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Will you stand to your feet? I want to remind you, parents, sign up your kids for kids camp. Here, hold on one sec. I just got a, I forgot to do this earlier. No, I'm not taking a picture of you because I don't have social media. Okay, I want to tell you the themes. I'm going to get up high because I want to be seen on this one. Um, Amy Tice, Emily Graybill, and Tamar Schrader have been working very hard at writing the curriculum for this. I love it because we didn't just buy a a product, not saying that's wrong if you've ever done that. We've done it too, but really felt that we wanted to write something specific. Lord, what do you want to say to the kids of City Harvest? And so they've been working on it. it. The focus is on God's love. Day one is you can trust God's love. Day two, the love of Jesus invites us into friendship with him. Day three, the love of Jesus rescues us. Day four, God's love runs towards us. Day five, Holy Spirit's, Holy Spirit, there's only one. Sorry about the plural thing. Bill, forgive me. Holy Spirit helps us to love. So camp's going to be great. Sign up for that. Also, if you're able to volunteer any of the Wednesdays, even if it's only one or any of the Sundays, sign up for that as well. Also, want to remind you guys that we are moving away from the realm. Can I hear a good uh, check? Woo! Yeah, who's excited about that? 
if you're new here and now you feel like an outsider, it's a piece of technology that everybody hates. That's it. That's all you need to know. And it caused a lot of people a lot of heartache and a lot of pain. And we are, uh, we believe that God opened up the chains and we just got to walk out of that prison cell. So we are heading to church center. Um, it just sounds more inviting. I mean, who wants to be in a realm when you can be in the church center? You know what I mean? So uh, you're going to start seeing more things. Make sure you do your best to connect over to it. Um, I think I can promise you that it's going to be a more engaging, inviting, and comfortable environment there. Um, hey, have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful week. Remember, God's love covers you, and he wants to work through you to share his love with others. Be blessed.